Hi there, this is Jim the Keys Bartender. If you're not familiar with the Keys Bartender podcast, it's a podcast about bartending and life. And I'm in the Florida Keys. You know that spit of land that comes off the end of Florida. It's uh, beautiful and hot, like it is every place else right now, I guess. So unless you're in the Southern Hemisphere, then it's probably temperate or cold, depending on where you are. So these last... Guys, three weeks I've been solo, and uh, because my wife and daughter have been, they went to Poland, and I've been, uh, keep, you know, watching the homestead, not getting into any kind of trouble, which is pretty good considering my recent history, my health history. But one of the things I have to do when they're away is maintenance. And that's keeping on top of things, you know, just making sure. Because when you're a guy, when you're a guy, I used to live by myself, you just take care of things. Your people have a, a certain level of comfort with the amount of clutter they can have or cleanliness. And I was, for you know, as a single guy for years, I was pretty good at keeping the clutter down. I, I didn't have a bunch of laundry all over the place and things like that. I actually had a hamper, a hamper or a thing I put my, a basket where I put my clothes in and I would make, stay on top of that stuff. And make, I always make sure at the end of the night, no dishes in the sink. Uh, usually during the day, I'm looking at my thing. Oh, no dishes in the sink right now. And it's afternoon. So it's really important that I stay on top of it because before they come home, I go into a deep cleaning mode. So I come back. My wife doesn't think, uh, Abby doesn't think, I'm a complete idiot. So, the, you know, the plants aren't all dead. And, uh, you know, the, the lawn's manicured. The laundry's done. The beds are made. Everything's done. The kitchen's clean. So that's what I do. But, you know, that's a tributal... That's, you can attribute those kind of qualities to your place of work. And in the bar and restaurant business, you get used to a certain amount of clutter and cleanliness. And sometimes it's hard to look at it with fresh eyes. You know? It's, you just get used to those things. You know, if you have some couple marks on the wall, you're not cleaning out your wells, it gets sticky and all that stuff. So it's preventive cleanliness and maintenance are important, are important. You got to reevaluate your surroundings and stay on top of it. Like sometimes you need a deep cleaning. I mentioned this before, but you got to really, part of it is staying on top of it. You don't want a place where you have to go into a deep cleaning every week or every, well, you Actually, if you did a deep cleaning every week, you wouldn't it would prevent having to have a, you know, I guess I'm confused. If you did a deep cleaning every month, but it still can get kind of messy. You just get, there's maintenance you have to, you have to do and you got to really take care. You got to think of it. Even if the people who are your direct superiors don't uh, suggest it, it behooves you to stay on top of those things. I try to keep as clean a bar as I can manage when it's real crowded. Like you start out, you should start out with a clean. You should try to stay clean, as clean as you can. But, you know, first of all, your priority is to take care of customers and provide a clean environment. 
And there's a balancing act there because there's sometimes when you have to do some really, you know, you got to really clean a lot, but also while you're cleaning, you got to work and, you know, put out product like drinks, take food orders, deliver food orders, deliver the drinks, resupply, all those things. And I'm working out that cleaning at the same time. You got to stay on top of it. Make sure you don't have your filthy rag, your bar rag, sitting on the bar. Right? So there's all these things, this balancing act. You don't want someone coming in there for the first time and looking at it and saying, this place is not the kind of place I want to eat. But, you know, when you go into a very busy place, a lot of times it's really difficult to stay on top of those things when you're in the midst of a rush, let's say. And I've been there before. People are just fighting to try to make this place somewhat presentable while you're in in it. I think that's the best thing to say about it. While you're in amidst the craziness of a rush, you know, you got to pick up the stuff off the floor and do this and do that. You just... If you got a moment, you got to look around with it and say, what are they seeing? What are they seeing when they come in? There's paper on the floor behind the bar. If I got a moment, you know, drinks are priority first. You got your, you got your level of required uh, labor. That's a hierarchy, let's say. And the way I view it is, uh, for me, when someone comes into a bar and they sit down, you have to greet, acknowledge, give them information, whether it's drop a menu or something, I'll be right with you. And make sure that their area, their surroundings are clean. And then after that, you have food that comes up. You got to deliver the food when it's hot. You got to deliver the drinks while the ice is still there. In the drink, not melted. You know, beer sitting there with the foam still on it, not not flat. You, there's a level of heart, and you have to do that in kind of like you got to make the decisions. you got to make valued decisions. Like two people just sat down. I got a full bar. I got food that needs to go out to people at the bar, so I got to deliver that food there. Then I had drinks that came up from my printer that the... The floor staff. So I have to do that in order and take care of the people. Now, the new people that came in, I just tell them, son, I'll be back with you. I'm a little backed up. And says, you could be talking to us right now. And I said, this, I just said that right then and walked away. I, I will be back. So I would take care of a couple of the drinks, make sure all the food is out, clean the place in front, drop the menus, blah, blah, blah. After I get that stuff down, they're the next priority. The people that just sat down, I go up there, can you get you anything to drink? And then... If they have a couple questions, say, listen, let me get these drink orders and then I'll come back because I may have a couple more drinks I have to make that came up in a printer or someone else that's ready to order. It's interesting. You know, I said, is your question about a drink or is it about the food? If it's not about the drink, if they're not ready for a drink, I say, think about the drink and I'll be right back. I know, and it may sound a little rude and stuff like that, but I, I do have an order of operation. It's just like math. Right? Multiply, divide, you know, divide. You do the, the parentheses, the exponents, then you do plus, minus, blah, 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 blah. 
Yeah, there's an order of operation. And if I start doing things like cleaning first, everything up, everything spotless, before I deliver the food and the food gets cold and then the drinks don't get made and then I don't greet the people. So that cleaning drops down a little low, but I got to do somewhat means. It's a balancing act. So the more you stay on top of these things when it's slow, right? I know people who I've worked with or I've seen people work that they use their time differently than I do. Like there's a lot of stuff you need to do when you have a little downtime. If you got like two minutes ready, two minutes down, you could say, well, I'm going to clean up a little. I'm going to resupply. I'm going to make sure I have enough fruit cut, blah, 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 blah. And I'm back at it when that next couple comes in or the food comes up and things like that. And it's important to keep it in mind in order to say, and when I said it behooves you, whether your supervisor or owner tells you to do it or not, the more presentable and the more seamless the delivery of services, the better your return on uh, in tips and gratuities and more efficient use of your time. So you're not always struggling. Now, I, on a busy night, I'm struggling for about usually an hour and a half. And struggle is good. That means you're busy. It'd be nice to be busy at a consistent level. But in a place where we're more family style, where you seat yourself, more informal, we go through peaks and valleys a lot more than a more, let's say, I don't want to say upscale, but you know, a little pricier place where you can actually take some of the extra revenue that you're getting from the extra charges and hire more people. So you spread the labor out. You got bussers, you got a hostess, you got everything. So they're making sure that they don't have too many tables at one time and things like that. We don't get that. We just have people that sit down. And I could go from uh, an empty bar to a full bar in about 10 minutes. Like that. And I could be, and if a bunch of people sit at a table and things like that, I'll have drinks that have to go out to the tables. And then if a bunch of people sit at the tables, I get like 30, 40 people. And then I get another 10, 12 people at the bar. You could get into what we call the weeds. But staying on top of these things, it's kind of a pre- prevention. A prevention for letting, you know, your your uh, garnishes get low, your supplies, your beer, your wine, all those things. And it's never a time where it's just when it's super busy that you're just harmonious. You're just struggling to tail on top at our place. Now, at different places, you can be have a harmonious evening even thing because with reservations the way you you tightly hold your reservations i'm going to talk about that probably right after this if you tightly hold your reservations you kind of meter out how busy you are people can come and wait at the bar obviously the bar is going to get a little busier and stuff like that but the tables aren't busy at that time so the servers don't get under you know the you know they don't get uh, what would you call it? When when you're inundated with people, 
So that's what, when you hear people, when you see a hostess there, people say, well, I see a table right over there and it's empty. Well, since COVID, and I know we're sick and tired of hearing it, it's been hard to get people in the service industry to work or to get people to fill those positions. I guess there's a, there was a lapse during COVID where certain positions became open in, in different industries and people stopped going into the service industry and the compensation may not have been working too well. There's not really great benefits in the service industry, so it's hard to get people in there. So what happened during COVID when you had more, when it came, people came back, we had a less pool of workers. And we're especially feeling here in the Keys, you heard me say this before, that hours are, are more limited. The amount of capacity places can hold seem to be more restricted. So what a a hostess and a seating plan has when people say, well, can I get a seven, seven o'clock reservation? No, we're all booked up. They may have four servers, right? And they may feel that 20 people at one time is the most. And I've just picked that arbitrarily. It could be 12, could be 10. But 20 people the most is what a server can handle. When there's reservations equal to 20 persons per server, they just say, we don't have any more reservations. They may still have seating capacity. They very well can have seating capacity. They just don't have server capacity. And that's hence you get the automated servers, meaning the robot servers that bring the food and stuff like that. You, you may, have, may or may not have served them or seen them. But that, that host, hostess, works as a stopgap from the place getting too super busy. And if you tell someone we won't have a seating for six people for an hour and a half, yeah, they may not wait around at that bar. But you tell them that you have like, yeah, we'll be ready in 15, 20 minutes. They'll hang out at the bar. And then that becomes a problem of the bartender at the bar because they're going to have to take care of everyone at the tables and the people at the bar. But that's what a bartender is there for. So just remember, I just, I was talking about working on your labor, working smartly, do it for yourself, do it for your tips, do it for your well-being. Uh, it just, it's worth it in the long run. Stay on top of that, the cleaning, the work, and uh, the rest of it will take care of itself. Just this morning, I was thinking about doing this podcast, Right. And as you know, if you're an avid listener, I have several different hats that I wear. It's bartender. I'm a fitness instructor. I'm also a, well, obviously you're listening to this. I'm a podcaster and I'm also a notary. And notaries in Florida can also do weddings as a wedding officiant. And I do loan signings when people do uh, you know, mortgages or when they're selling a house, state papers and stuff like that. They have to sign. And uh, they're a little more ornate and stuff. So I, I'm always listening to the phone. I got my girls in Poland. I'm, I'm keeping an ear to the phone on that. Today's my day off. But normally Monday is my day to take care of things. Right. I got appointments. Uh, normally I have in the morning I have my spin class. And uh, I do the podcast. And then plan the rest of my week out. 
And a lot of times I don't spend a lot of extra time working out and things like that on those days. Well, today I had some extra free time and I was just relaxing. And don't you know it, right out of the blue, I get a phone call. It said Philadelphia. And you know, when I see Philadelphia, I don't have a lot of, I have distant cousins in Philadelphia right now. That's it. I have distant cousins, a couple exes. I'm the only one ex-wife and she's not really in Philadelphia, but I see that area code and I'm thinking, hmm, I know it. Philadelphia's calling. The city of Philadelphia's calling me. Jim, what you up to? No, no. I get this phone call and it's a friend of mine, a voice I haven't heard, and I'm going to try to be as accurate as I can. 37 years, 37 years I haven't heard that voice. I didn't really quite know the voice until they said who they were. And since I didn't, uh, they didn't volunteer, I didn't tell them I was going to be podcasting about it. And it's been 38 years. I'm not going to give up that person's anonymity until they talk about it. But I can talk about the things because no one's going to know. It's 38 years ago. And uh, the really interesting thing about this, this person I met, this guy, we were friends in college. And we're, you know, nice thing about people that you didn't have a hard parting with, you get to reminisce. And we went full blown into it two hours, maybe longer, going back. We met in, on, uh, in our dorm. And I was living in the Calhoun dorm on Drexel University. It was 1982. 82 and 83, I lived in that dorm, and uh, the guy had uh, lived just a, probably four dorm rooms down. He went to another Catholic school inside the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. I was in another one. Uh, we ended up becoming friends. And uh, this guy, I, I came home for dinner. I lived... And uh, the interesting thing for both of us, I guess, he lived a little outside the city. I lived, I was the only zip code in the city that was given the uh, okay, that zip code I lived in, to live on campus. The rest of it, if you live within, you were designated a commuter. I, I on the other hand, I was in the zip code where uh, far enough reach from this uh, college that I could live on campus, which is great because it would have been, it saved me another 40, 45 minutes. I was in the city. And if I took the bus, it'd be in like at least an hour, hour and a half. Um, th- so, so I come home, uh, every so often I'd come home with my laundry. If I didn't do it there, a big bag of laundry on Sunday and eat dinner and head back to uh, school. Well, I'm eating dinner with my family. My dad uh, asked me, how's everything going? I said, this is just a couple weeks into the term. And I said, oh, I became friends with this guy. And his name was so-and-so. And I said his name. And my dad said, that's interesting. And it was a u- unique name. It actually sounds like a, uh, a name from a uh, Dickens novel, Right. And my dad goes, I had a friend when I was five and six years old by that name. And uh, when he grew up in Olney, 
in another section of Philadelphia. So I went back and I told the friend of mine that I met on my floor, I said, hey, listen, my dad had a friend when he was five and six years old. He had the same name as you. As your father goes by the same name, he goes, yes, and he grew up in Holy Town. And I said, wow, that is weird, huh? Even though we're in, it's not weird to run into a child, but to become friends without knowing of a person who was also friends with your father in a big, very big city. At that time, Philadelphia had upwards and over 1.7 million people there. So we ended up being friends, unbeknownst to each other that our fathers had been friends. And we had stayed friends in college. And because of the nuances of the 80s. Now, nowadays, I guess it's harder to separate yourself from friends. That's interesting dynamics, too, with, you know, cell phone technology, you know, owning the same communication identification, which is your cell phone number. You could have the same. Uh, I mean, I for years when I lived in Philadelphia, I had taken my number with me to Florida and I kept it for, gosh, at least eight years in, in Key Largo. I had a 215 area code, which is Philadelphia area code. Well, after, you know, in the 80s, when there were, there were probably, there were maybe radio phones or car phones then, but they were a rarity. And it wasn't until the late 90s they started popping up. So we were way before that. So you regularly lost contact with people. There was... No internet, no generally used internet. And when you lost touch with someone, that was it. You had to go and get a private investigator to look for them. Or, you know, if someone was in the phone book, you could start, you know, looking, looking for someone by opening the phone book was the way people used to stalk back in the 80s. That was a stalker. You go and look and say, oh, I wonder if this person's in the phone book. I mean, and, you know, a lot of times if people did not want to be contacted, they go, oh, I don't want to be in a phone book. Or they wouldn't give their name or wouldn't get it. You know, they just move someplace, not not submit their name. You know, and every time you get a move to a new uh, residence, if you were, uh, you know, landlines, your landlines did not go with you. So the number you had in 1983 is not the number you had in 84. You move one, you can move, you could be subletting an apartment. You can be moving around all these different places. Nobody can. But nowadays, we've all become inuited to the regularity, which you could just go and Google someone's name and then start putting more and more information and start narrowing it down and then you get it. And this is what this guy ended up doing. He ended up calling. We just... For two hours. It was just amazing. It was, it, was, it was refreshing to go back and speak to someone you haven't spoken to for 37 years. I knew you when you were young, when you were a kid. And that's the last time they met you. And then you got to catch up. You got to talk about kind of the age-related, age-related things you've had. You know, children, marriages, illnesses, occupations, catching up on these things. 
And I'm not going to go into big details on this person because I realize if I start mentioning these things, the listeners on this audience are smart enough where they can connect it and find out who it is. Eventually, this friend of mine, I'm thinking, will not have a problem having their name mentioned. <clears throat> but since I have a podcast, I don't want people not to talk to me because they're afraid, hey, watch out. You're going to have a private discussion with Jim, and then he's going to go into a podcast right after it and talk about it, which like I'm doing right now, but I'm not giving you any details. And I venture to guess, unless you're one of my other friends from college, right, that you will know who this person is. And I don't think I have other friends from college that are listening. So someday there could be those guys. Listen to it. I mean, my fraternity brothers don't even know it. I, I, there's something about, uh, well, first of all, next month I'll be 60. And in this age group, there's only one other demographic that knows less about podcasts, and that's older people. As you go younger, there's more and more people know, right? So I got in to podcasting at the tail end. So the people necessarily weren't, don't know. I'm not, I'm, I have a reasonable amount of notoriety, I guess, in, in South Florida and the Keys and things like that, where people may know, may or may not know who I am. It's a good chance they might. But as you go out in concentric circles further and further and further away, a less percentage would know that. Now, I have a couple friends up in Philadelphia and a couple bars and stuff that do listen. There's like there's uh, McGlinchies, McGillins, used to be a lot of Mick places, huh? McGeehan's. Gosh, all those places, they, they were my some of my haunts I had was in Philadelphia. They may know where, um, but they'll, they'll not know this person. So I'm not giving up anything. But the things that it may, you think talking to someone you haven't spoken to 37 years would make you feel particularly old because the difference, the age I was when I met this guy, I was a teenager still when I met this person. I was a teenager and he was talking about how recently he had went back to school, not as a student, but as a speaker, back to our alma mater. And he was looking at all the young people and he said, the kids looked, the boys looked like they were in eighth grade and the girls looked a little older and they looked different than the girls in the eighties. And I said, and you know, he said, funny thing about it, the eighties did nothing for the way women really looked back then because they were beautiful. They were beautiful women then. It's just that the style was very ephemeral. I guess it's the style of the 80s was very ephemeral and very distinct, much like the 40s, maybe like the 50s, but the 80s had its own. The 70s, not so much. The 70s, not so much. Maybe the clothes, maybe the hippie clothes and stuff like that, psychedelics. But the 80s had a very different characteristic. Not like the... I, it, it's like, it would be hard. Like 70s, you could mistake for the aughts 
let's say, or the 90s. The 70s, you can stick as 90s. If you went to a Grateful Dead or a Fish concert, you could probably take some of the kids from there, except for the earplugs and stuff like that that they started wearing back then. They were pretty similar. 80s, though, that's the 1980s. And there's disco era, too, right? I guess disco era is from the 70s, 80s. But when I talk about 70s, I'm talking about that. So, like I do, do many often uh, times, I'm sidetracked again. But I'm talking to his friend. And like I said, you think, if I met the... I'm also twice the age... Um, Three to, I'm three times older, I'm more than three times older than when we first met. It's so far then. But when talking to him brought back a rush of memories of things I did not think about. But then again, I remember a lot of other things. And we were reminiscing and we remember things similarly and some things slightly different. The things that you remember. And I've told him the things that remember me. Uh, I remembered about him. We had some good times, really good laughs. And maybe next time on the podcast, I will, uh, if I get the approval of this gentleman, I will discuss one of the, some of the tamer things that we did. And uh, I'll tell you, there was There's a lot of times that you don't really want to catch up with someone. But then in this case, I guess we had a lot of good memories and not a lot to be embarrassed about. We did kid stuff. We didn't do anything horrible. It's not like one of those things where you black that memory out. You know what I'm talking about. There's horrible things you go through when you're a kid. Maybe it's with uh, uh, a neighbor, a friend, a bully, a, a bad encounter you had with someone. This wasn't the case. This wasn't the case whatsoever. It was all like gold. When you did, and that's where it's hard to get off the phone with someone like that. At some point, you know, this guy had an appointment at twelve o'clock. Me, I had no appointment. I carved out a time today where I didn't have to do anything for hours. I said he didn't know how close he was to being on the phone for four hours. And I am not one to spend four hours on the phone. If you got me on the phone for like 20 minutes, I'm like, oh, come on, let's go. And I'm telling you, my sister does it on a regular basis. She's funny as hell. She is funny as hell. She's kind of wacky. And I told you she is kind of wacky. But um, the recipe for keeping me on the phone for a long time, don't talk to me for 37 years. And you know what? I probably will break a record. It was like... Uh, years, years ago, if I'm talking to a girl I like, I'm just like, I'm going to try to be on my game and all that stuff. No, you're reminiscing. You're talking. You're, you're talking about all these times. You're, you're oh man, it reminded me of that song, uh, Bruce Springsteen song, song Glory Days, Glory Days. But then again, I have to say, I had a couple Glory Days. I mean, I had quite a few years. And that's what he made me think of when I talked to him. I said, not only was that time good, he made me think of the other times I had after that with other people. And you think, wow, that was great. Last week was great. You know, the beginning of the month was great. June was great. Uh, Early March, not so great. You know, my father's memorial service and 
having the thing, but being being alive later on that week, uh, you know, having a heart attack and all that stuff, and then being brought back by the eight, you know, the being defibrillated back to life after seven and a half minutes. That was great. My recovery was great. Learning out what people thought about me, which was nice, was great. My recovery was great. So, yeah, you know, every so often when you talk to someone from way back, way back, it's, uh, and I know there's older people that, you know, say, well, I met someone after 45 years, blah, 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 all those things. Every so often it may make you think about how old you are and how much time you have in the past. But it didn't, it did not make me feel like that. It did not make me feel like I missed those things and all that stuff. I enjoyed those things. I enjoy talking about them. enjoy talking about other times. And I'm enjoying what I'm doing today. I'm enjoying what I'm doing today. Then I have, uh, I don't know if I, 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 knew, I do know I mentioned it. I felt, especially in the last year that I was losing my stuff, my capacity, my capacity to, to, to learn things, to be quick-witted. I started feeling that, and talking to my friend made me think, you know, that's not the case. That is not the case. I am not losing it. I'm, I'm slightly different. I realize now, you know, like if I eat a lot of carbs and stuff like that, I get kind of sleepy, and when I get a little sleepy, I start associating that with forgetfulness. My brain slows down. When you get sleepy, your brain does slow down, or at least your conscious thought slows down, where you need conscious thought in order to speak coherently. So I realize when I don't do those things that make me sleepy, because I process things a little differently now, and that means food, my blood sugar, I keep my blood sugar kind of Ah, low, or, you know, I don't get that carb crash. I'm staying pretty sharp. And I felt sharper after talking to that friend. And I'm going to talk to them again. And that's it for today. I'd like to thank you for listening. I will probably be back again tomorrow. But until then, have a great day. Stay cool. Stay hydrated. Remember your electrolytes. And if you come down to Keys, come and say hi to me. Thank you very much and have a great day. Bye.